Well, listen, we're in, um, we're in a study in the book of Jonah. We said last week that the big, um, the big suggestion uh, would be to make sure that you don't walk into this study with kind of a, well, yeah, I kind of read Jonah in kids' church and all this kind of stuff because there's a ton in this book that um, goes deeper than you probably learned in kids' church. Um, if we were to go around uh, the room of people, who was here last week? Awesome. So if you were to go around the room and ask everybody, what is something that you heard last week that maybe sh- surprised you, that shocked you? Um, I think a lot of people, uh, here's the thing, a lot of people struggle with uh, words and phrases like God appointed a whale or a fish to swallow Jonah up um, and that God hurled a storm at them. We don't like that. It, it, it kind of messes with our sensibilities of, well, God loves us and he takes care of us. Um, also, God uh, loves you enough to get you attention, um, sometimes through difficult circumstances. Uh, not saying that he is the uh, originator of all difficult circumstances, but I'm also not saying that he won't use difficult circumstances to get your attention. Um, I think if you were to go around the room and talk to the adults in the room, what you would learn is that a lot of us have learned how to get to know God through difficult circumstances. And, and in some way, we would say, not glad they happened, but glad we got to know God through it. And, and, and so that is just kind of how this works. I told you last week about how we have this propensity to rebel and to run from God. Um, and before it's even about God, for some of you, it's not even about God right now. It's just rebelling against mom and dad. It's rebelling against the rules in school. It's, it's I've got a test I didn't study, so I'm going to cheat. Um, and it's all those temptations. Um, it's that I want that. I don't have money for it, so I'm just going to take it, which is theft. And sometimes... We reason in our minds, you know, why, well, this is okay just this once because, you know, God knows that I want that hoodie and that I don't have the money for it, or, or God knows that I need to pass this test because God wants me to go to the next grade, not flunk out of uh, seventh grade. You know, whatever the thing is, we t- try to reason with God. In fact, I think um, we don't have the, the, the monologue inside Jonah's head in chapter one, but, but we do know that he ran. And we probably could guess that he was trying to reason with himself as to why he wouldn't go. Remember why, um, reasons why we think he didn't go. Does anybody remember anything about the people of Nineveh? Just shout it out. Barbaric. Yeah, barbaric. <laughs> uh, a pyramid of schools, yeah. So they were, um, their tendency was to kill in very barbaric ways to to conquer different territories and nations. And uh, we have all kinds of stuff in the history books about that, that there's nothing, um, there's nothing fictional about that. And there's nothing fictional about this story. And so when you think about it, yeah, for sure, God is asking Jonah to do something insanely difficult. And we, in our minds, think, oh, yeah, like Jonah, he ran, he got swallowed by a whale, but then the whale vomited. It's kind of a cartoon in your mind, and we kind of giggle at it, but hear me, this was a a suicide mission unless God got involved. So this is one of those things where with your middle school and high school brains, you might be able to understand something that you didn't understand in kids' ministry, which was, oh, this was a very dangerous mission, because we think, oh, you know, I... 
I don't think I would have run. I think that all of us would have run. I don't know many of us that are bold enough. I mean, we're not bold enough to open up our Bibles, right? Like we, we dust it off because it's not been opened in months and, and read our Bibles, much less uh, follow God to do one of the most crazy things that anyone has ever been asked to do. And so it is nuts that he, that he, um, that he hurled a storm, that Jonah decides to jump in, and that he would appoint that he would choose a whale to swallow him up. I even read in some of the commentaries, I, I did read, um, <laughs> this is funny, Eber, you remember what Eber said, what kind of fish uh, or whale he thought it was? Whale shark, okay. So I, I read uh, some different commentators that said exactly that. They said a whale shark or a sperm whale would probably be the ones to do it. I meant, um, I tell you what we'll do next week. And, and next week, Eli's teaching. Woo! Um, but, um, yay! <laughs> um, but I might cut into his time a little bit next week and show you, um, even as recent as the last couple years, this, this is not a whale, this is not a Bible story, this is not necessarily an illustration, but there was a guy, the la- I think the last two years or so, maybe you, maybe you saw that in the news, a guy was like uh, crabbing, I think, and um, like he got swallowed by something. And it was like a Jonah story, and he miraculously, like he fought his way out, and so some of you are like, yeah, this seems fictional. Watch the news. Uh, and some of you are like, uh, so Rush Week, is that, do we go in the ocean? I'll pass. That's, I'm good. I think I'm good with that. Um, but there's for sure places in Scripture where we see miraculous things happen. But I don't know that this is as miraculous. In fact, <clears throat> what happens is very practical. And what we said last week was that the book of Jonah is full of, I thought this would happen, but that happened. He should have done this, but he did that. Um, He threw himself in the ocean, which was total suicide, but then God appoints a whale. And if you remember, we kind of ended last week by saying that rescue, this is the the thing that I want to kind of launch us today, rescue often comes dressed up as like hard work. Or in Jonah's case, what we said last week was rescue often looks like suffering, why would, why would rescue look like suffering in this case? I usually don't ask for kind of crowd participation, but I'm curious. Why do you think rescue would look like suffering in this case? Three days inside the belly of a whale? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. You said something that I thought was really profound. Rescue isn't easy. Rescue isn't easy. Um, in most cases, any of you, oh, sorry, go ahead, Angel. I was just saying that often uh, rescue doesn't look like suffering. It's actually being used for, uh, like, to 
Mm. So let me ask this question, and I'm not asking you to tell me a story or get personal or anything. It's just kind of a raise your hand or, or don't raise your hand. Would anyone say they know what it feels like to walk through something difficult and they think that's, that was God getting it a hold of them? Does anyone? I'll raise my hand because I'm like, for sure. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, and I want to make this very clear. <clears throat> I think it's dangerous for us to be like, bad stuff is happening. God is punishing me. I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, if bad stuff is happening, God is punishing me. That is not always true. I don't think, quite honestly, that you can diagnose every situation and see um, you know, this is God punishing me. For instance, um, some of us, we talked last week about was something bad happening to the sailors on the boat, the mariners? What do, what do we learn from that? <clears throat> it was about the people that were hanging out. It was about the guy in the boat with them. And they were looking around like, hey, pray to your gods. Like, well, let's figure out what's wrong. And they discovered, where did the storm come from? They came from God trying to get a hold of Who? Jonah. The mariners? No, not the mariners, Jonah. And so, in a sense, the mariners are just kind of guilty by association. And that may be a lesson for some of us who choose to hang out with Jonah's in our life. And, uh, and, and then sometimes that stuff happens. Some of us uh, like to learn the hard way as a general rule in life. And so, um, you know what it's like to not study, not study, not study, not study, and then cram the night before a test, and then you get your grade back, and you're like, a D, but I studied. And, and the ones who study in the room are like, no, I wouldn't call that studying. I wouldn't call that studying. Cramming is not studying. Like, studying is studying. Paying attention is studying, right? Um, if you decide to drive uh, 90 miles an hour down Siena Parkway, I fully expect, which, by the way, happens every day, uh, thank you, Ridgepoint High School. Um, man, 3 o'clock at Waters Lake is a bad place to be. I'll just tell you, they park in front of my neighbor. Okay, sorry, got personal there for a second. Um, if you drive that fast, I expect you to, to what? What are some things that might happen? Crash, die. Someone went straight to the worst case scenario. Die. Speeding ticket, jail, all those kinds of things. Now, okay, I think we heard it all. I think we heard it all. <laughs> Die. Wow. Um, so, so that stuff happens. Now, sometimes in life, you make decisions and there's consequences. That's like simple and we're all aware of that. If that's new to you, welcome to life. That's going to be true for the rest of your life. If you don't pay your bills, you don't get to have the thing that you are paying. If you don't um, change the oil in your car, your car is going to like just stop working one day. If you don't treat your body with, um, with maybe some eating right and some exercise, you're going you're to look like me one day. Um, and nobody wants that. Uh, oh, gosh, I know. No, but truly, but truly, here's what happens. I'll tell you, okay, didn't plan on this illustration. I was the kind of person that was like, you know what? Like, I'm good. Like, I eat. I went to college, right? And my wife is literally like, Yep. Um, I went to college and I ate whatever because my parents aren't cooking for me. No one's like, I'm walking. It's like, so burgers or salad? Burgers. <laughs> Pizza or salad? Pizza. And so I got to this point because at that age and that stage of your life, your adrenaline and your, uh, what's the word? What's the? 
Your metabolism, yeah. <laughs> Your metabolism, testosterone also. That's a different, that's the Real Talk series. We'll talk about that another, <laughs> another time. But your metabolism is like, it's like a little squirrel running inside of a thing, like inside of your, your chest, and you're like, you can gain no weight. And then all of a sudden, I just want to warn you, okay? I just want to warn you. There's a day, and it, your body won't tell you, but your metabolism will just kind of stop, okay? And then you look at a piece of pizza, and you're like, pff, pff, you know, and you blimp up, okay? This is real life. You're laughing. Call me in seven years. I dare you. It will happen. And, and what will happen is that you will reap the consequences of something you've sown. It's not always, God's punishing me. No, you punished you, bro. Like, you pounded two burgers at dinner every day for like a year, right? So jokes aside... You have to decide when stuff happens in life. Is this God trying to get, it, get my attention? Is just just me reaping what I've sown? And by reaping what I've sown, meaning like if you plant a plant, it's going to grow. It's not going to grow. Like you plant an apple seed, it's going to be an apple tree. It's not going to be another kind of tree. Does that make sense? That Listen, that rule in your life is crazy important. Because when you decide to make, you, you make decisions in a certain path, you're going to reap the benefits of those choices. You study, you get good grades, you get into a call, all that kind of stuff. You hang out with the right kind of people. You're not going to be tempted to do the wrong kinds of things. That's what this all is, okay? And Jonah's got this moment where he needed some correction. And it wasn't just punishment. It was also rescue because God loves us and is so patient with us. Now, is it? Great to be swallowed by a whale? Of course not. It's like, um, it's like uh, gross in there. We said last week uh, the stomach acids just bleaching his skin totally white. Um, it's probably just smell of just old seafood that's not alive anymore, right? This is just this is this is not good. And so, um, in the middle of all of that, he prays. And it's kind of like a prayer, and it's kind of like a song. I've, a song. I've seen it both ways. It's kind of like a worship song, and it's kind of like a prayer. And we're just going to take four things from it, okay? We're going to take four things from it. The, um, the, we're going to start in, in verse 1 through 3 um, of chapter 2. Um, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. So um, you, have, you, have these, uh, you have these verses. I'll just kind of pause there just so we can take a mental break. I love that Jonah said two things. Like, I called out to you, and you answered. I cried out for help, and you heard me. This is just one of those lessons where we've got to learn um, that the first point is that Jonah asked God's asked for God's help. Okay, that's the first step. And I love it because when something happens to you and you feel like maybe this is uh, God trying to get my attention, the first point, Jonah asks for God's help. This is great because here's, here's what he could have done. He could have cursed God's name. He could have decided, I will never, you, swallowed by a whale? Uh-uh, I will never follow you ever again. And I just want to, like, tell you, people are making those kinds of decisions because they think, well, the world around me is not what I thought it was supposed to be. It's not perfect. All this bad stuff is happening. 
I'm piecing out from my faith. I'm gone like I'm, I'm going to do life my own way. And that's the decision that some people are making. Quite honestly, let me just kind of talk to you just really seriously for a second. One of the reasons I'm really passionate about you understanding God's word at this stage of your life, especially those of you who are getting ready to step into kind of a college environment, is that the stats would say if there's like 50 of you, like 45 of you are going to walk away from the faith during your college years. That's what the stats would say. I'm telling you, I wake up every morning like coming to work passionate about reversing that stat somehow. And the thing is, is that I think a lot of people, I'm going to get real serious for a second. I think a lot of people make a decision that seems to be easy for them. It's like, well, I'm a sinner, so I'm going to accept Christ into my heart, and that's going to fix everything. And it's not going to fix everything. It's going to fix your most important problem, which is the fact that you're separated from God. When you become a Christian, you have friendship with God again. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He walks with you. He comforts you. He gives you help and all those kinds of things. You're going to go to heaven when you die, but you're still on this very jacked up earth, surrounded by very, very jacked up people. And every once in a while, bad stuff happens, and you're like, why is this happening? Because people buy into this lie that, well, I was, a, I was a Christian. What happened? I thought things were supposed to just get better. I thought God was supposed to help me. God helps us. Maybe not in the way you think he should. But don't you think, I want you to kind of stretch your kind of brain power for just a second. Don't you think that if God is real and if God created all of this and if God knows you and loves you, then his choice for how to provide rescue to you is better than your choice? And my choice? Think about that. Sometimes we think, why didn't God do this? And I just want to remind us, we are not God. We are not smarter than God. We are not more powerful than God. We are not more knowledgeable than God. We are not um, at the beginning of creation where God was. We are not in the end of all things where God brings all this into newness and, and perfection and holiness. We're not, he is in both of those places at the same time. He was there when we were born. He will be there when we die. He was there at the beginning of creation and eternity before it. And he will be in eternity after it. Like he is God, he's above all things. And when we act like we know better than God, he must just be in heaven and be like, they're so cute. They think they're, they think they're smarter than me. <laughs> and he's all loving, right? So it's not like he's being sarcastic about you. But I have to imagine, we have to, we have to get to a point where we, where we trust him. And Jonah did it. Jonah asked God for help. I love this um, in uh, Psalm 121, I'm gonna, it's not on the screen. I'm just going to kind of read it for you. This is my favorite psalm. Um, learned it when I was in high school. And um, we sung it as a church. And it's just a couple verses. I lift, up to my, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'm going to like pause and I want you to breathe. And I want you to hear that again. I'm going to read those verses again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I 
take solace in that. I quote that all the time. It's like once a week I'm in that psalm reminding myself, okay, I don't have to help myself. I don't have to fix my problems. I'm going to lean on God and trust him as I walk through this. Why? Because he's God. I'm not. He loves me. He cares for me. His promises are still true. And I can, and I can ask him for help. We, we keep going in verse 3 on into verse 4. Uh, he says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. The second point as we read that is that Jonah accepts God's discipline. Jonah, there's a sense in which Jonah's being disciplined. He's being, maybe you call it like punished. Punished is such a hard word because I feel like discipline, punished is like I'm going to take something away from you and that's all I desire to do is just to kind of give you a payment for something you did. But discipline is correction. Discipline is you've been going this direction and you're going to hurt yourself. Remember last week I said, uh, my grandma was in town, and I had my big wheel, and I was like all the way down at the end of the driveway. She said, Mark Hamilton Cox, you get back here. And I said, watch me. <laughs> and I walked out into the middle of the street like a fool and laid down and made like snow angels just to get back at my grandma. Like the heart of rebellion deep in this one, right? This is not, this is not oh, Mark is like a special human because he's like up there teaching uh-uh, nope, don't get that m messed up. Like, I am just as jacked up as anyone in this room. So the truth is, sometimes I get corrected. Sometimes God disciplines me. Still happens to this day. I expect it to happen for the entire rest of my life. We sometimes think that God doesn't, like, discipline, like, 70-year-olds. Uh-uh. I think God is with us through everything. Remember last week we talked about this in Hebrews, I think it's 12. It says that God uh, disciplines us as children and we should be thankful for that. We shouldn't despise that. Why? Because if God disciplines you, what does that mean about what he thinks about you? It means he loves you. He wants better for you. And listen, he hasn't given up on you. Sometimes we hear discipline and we think, oh, he's mad. He doesn't love me. He doesn't want me. If he, was, if he was indifferent towards you, hear me, he would leave you to your own devices. He would let you go to hell without any, he would not have sent Jesus to painfully die on a cross. If he was indifferent towards you, if he didn't care about you, we wouldn't have this Bible. He would have just said, y'all want to choose your own sin? Go for it. I'm out. And God could have done that. He didn't. What does that tell you? That God is not done with you. That God loves you. That may be the best thing that you could hear all school year long. Is when you're disciplined by God to remember. That, that is a, a, a reminder that God loves you. Let's push on into verses uh, 4 through 7. He continues on with his prayer. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. 
Yet I shall, I shall look again upon your holy temple. He's going to bring up that temple again in a minute. The waters closed in over me to, make my, to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Now, let me just kind of pause there. That's a lot of like Bible language, and you're like, okay, holy temple, weeds, bottom of the mountain. He's just saying, I jumped into a raging ocean, and you rescued me. And he's going to say, I will look again upon your holy temple. Anyone want to take a crack at what he's saying there? He is saying, I'm going to have communion with you again. I'm going uh, to, to take the right path from now on. Um, there's, a, there's an old worship song back from when I was your age um, that uh, was talking about that idea. And um, I remember one of the lyrics was, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And that's what I remember as I'm, as I'm reading this. He's like, I'm going to look upon your holy temple again. We are going to have communion. Now, he's saying this while he's still in the middle of discipline, right? He's still in a literal whale. <laughs> he's still, like, in the middle of the discipline. And that's what I love about this. That's why I think it's so legit. Because no one being punished like this, unless they absolutely are serious about it, would be saying these kinds of things. Like any one of us would be complaining and grumbling. Like this reminds me of Paul in prison, right? The book of Philippians, he's written uh, essentially from house arrest or like a prison situation. He's got a Roman guard there with him. And the theme of the book of Philippians, he's writing to a church that's been planted and he's going to say, you should have joy. You should have joy. I have joy. Even though I'm in the middle of my circumstances, I've learned what it's like to have joy in the middle of all of this. Man, if you need a little burst of that kind of joy, go read Philippians 4 tonight. Like right before you go to bed and just thank God for the opportunity to have joy in the middle of discipline. This is, this is what Jonah's doing. So the point here is that Jonah trusted God's promises. He trusted God's promises. I'm going to look upon your temple again. Here's what's interesting. I, I don't want to run through this because we don't have time, but every single one of these verses is rooted in the Psalms, in the Bible. Like he is quoting different Psalms that he's heard and studied, and he's like repeating them back to God. This, this if I could just convince you, is why Bible memorization is important. It's crucial. You know why? Because you're in the middle of uh, punishment or temptation or something like that. You know when I'm in the middle of temptation, you know what verse I think of? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God has made a way of escape that I can get out of this kind of situation, that I can always look back to God. You know when I'm, I'm fearful? Do you know what I remember? I remember 2 Timothy 1, 7, that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I remember those because this is a, when I was your age, I started writing those out on little three-by-five cards. Because you know what I know? I'm going to need that day in and day out, those promises. And he is trusting God's promises. And listen, do you think he's like got his iPhone out in the middle of the belly's whale and be like, let me look up. I can't remember where it says this. No, like he's got this locked down in his memory. 
David at one point says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. All of these things. Listen, let me tell you. We will talk about this more in our next series in a big way, but Bible memorization is incredibly important to the life of a believer. The last thing that I wanted to share with you is that Jonah is going to yield to God's will. Verses 8 through 9, he's going to say, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Man, let me pause because that is None of you guys use any of those weird. Steadfast, forsake. Here's what he's saying. In the middle of all of this prayer, he's talking about himself. Those who uh, pay regard to vain idols. What's an idol? You're maybe thinking, go ahead. An object, the best definition ever. Good job. So it's not just like something that was crafted like the golden calf in Exodus uh, like 20-something, but it's like this moment where we, we pay regard to anything above God. And listen, let me tell you, this is like everybody in this room. This is everybody in this room. We, we fall. Now, you may be in a place where you're like super spiritual and you're like doing good in your relationship with God right now, but at the end of the day, like all of us struggle with this idea of putting things above God. You might put like the desire to be, um, to have um, popularity or to have money, or to have kind of a social status, or um, maybe you covet things like you wish you had someone else's family life, or their house, or their ability to go on vacations, or all these kinds of things. And we, we covet these things, and, and they end up being the things that we worship. And worship is something that you just focus on, and that your heart longs for. And what Jonah's saying as he is admitting in the middle of this prayer, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. And he's saying, I fall into this. And this is what I love about God. In the middle of all this, he's giving Jonah kind of a safe place to confess a sin. And this is something, you know, we, we learn about... Um, God giving us a, a humble heart and a contrite heart. These things happen when we pray, when we worship, when we read God's word. If we're truly trying to learn more about God, if we're truly trying to relate to God on the level of like a servant, a son, a daughter, that he is a master, he's Lord, he's Savior, that he will start to kind of illuminate some things in your life that are distracting you from the prize. That's kind of what I want to talk about for the rest of the night, okay, for just a couple minutes, is I want to ask you, what are the things that are distracting you from really going for it in your relationship with God? And I've, I've had some conversations with some teenagers um, uh, over the last few months about this idea that we don't exactly know why we need to grow in our relationship with God. And I've been racking my brain. Um, I've, heard, I've heard some of you say in different various circles, so, so like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Um, what next? And we said last week, that was the last question I asked you. The wrong posture is to say, like, well, I got heaven. I've got Jesus. I've got my salvation. So, like, I'm good. So I'm just kind of kind of do me. That's the wrong posture to have. The right posture to have as random confetti 
comes from the ceilings. Ceilings, multiple ceilings. Um, let me get us back on track. Um, the right posture to have, I want you to track with me here, is for you to ask God, what would you have me do next? So do this with me in your mind. If you believe that God is Lord, like we tackled that this last series. If you believe he's Lord, then what do we need to say yes to? What is he calling you to do? He's probably not calling you to go to Assyria, right, to Nineveh. He's probably not calling you to get on a boat. But is he calling you to do something as simple as learning more about him? Is he calling you? I think this would be incredibly beneficial for you. If you would just say, you know what? I hear all this talk about like reading your Bible and they say, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray. The reason we say that is because we want you to have a relationship with God. If you, I'm going to call it all the way back to the beginning. If you go to college and your expectation is that you're kind of, kind of pick up where we left off and kind of you've never, um, you've never done life with, with God on your own, you're going to drop off of your faith. I want you to hear me so clearly. If you don't grab hold of your relationship with God right now, you absolutely will walk away from him later. And in that case, let me just go ahead and tell you, this is, man, this is what I believe. I'm going to say some hard things. I think there's a lot of people that thought they were Christians that weren't. I think there's a lot of people that were trusting some things that the world said about God rather than looking to what the Bible says about God. Those are two different things. Do you know there's churches out there that are going to teach the Bible in a way that I believe is absolutely wrong? There's going to be pastors out there that try to deceive you. i got to be honest with you. Like, There's pastors out there that are going to try to do anything they can to get your money. There's going to be pastors out there that try to get you to do something just to serve their kingdom. And if you don't know, if you don't hide your, his word in your heart, how are you going to know when you see it? And if something bad happens in your life, how are you going to know to relate to God, to ask God for help, to accept God's discipline, to trust his... How in the world can you trust God's promises if you don't know them? So why, why am I reading my Bible? My goodness, that's like your life and your vitality in your relationship with God. But I'll tell you, I think that we idolize kind of our, our regular day in and day out life. We take, we take our steps, we do what we want to do, and it's just like we're existing and we're just kind of walking through our life. And I think the thing that I would be heartbroken by is if you simply existed through this life as a human being, which is very easy to do in America in 2022, because you don't feel like you need God. And if I can just tell you something, it is easy to be distracted in America by all the things that we have. And if I could just ask you to tear all that stuff away, all those distractions, like Paul said, if I'm going to run a race, I'm going to throw away everything that entangles me, and I'm going to focus on the prize. Listen, the prize is, is God. That's the prize. The prize is you and, and your relationship with him. He is Lord. And out of laziness, some of us are just kind of like, well, I'm just going to kind of walk through this life. 
I'm going to kind of do my own thing. If I can ask you, some of you, some of you have next steps that you need to take. Some of you need to go public with your baptism, your, your faith in baptism. And baptism is, is, there's nothing special about that water. For Pete's sake, we baptize people in a trough. It's a horse trough. There's nothing special about it. It's not like we got it from Jerusalem. There's special holy water. Nope, it came out of a hose, right? It's just nothing but you telling our church family, hey, I want you to know I identify with Christ, and I'm getting baptized and proclaiming my faith in him. What happens is, just going to step on your toes a little bit, some of us want to make a private decision between us and God, and then we never want to actually walk it out in the public. You haven't been baptized yet, but you call yourself a Christian. That's your next step of obedience. Some of you, man, you love views, and you're like, oh, I want more. You should show up on Sunday mornings and do Bible study with us. We're literally walking through the Bible to do the things that I'm talking about, helping you learn what God's promises are. That's what it is. You just show up on Sunday morning. Oh, I like to sleep in. I have late Saturday nights. Okay, so make a better decision on Saturday night to go to bed a little earlier so you can wake up fresh and ready to go for hub on Sunday mornings. Some of you need to take a step and start serving, start giving your life away. There's all these different things that we need to be thinking about, but I guarantee everyone in this room, including myself, has the next step of obedience. Everyone. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to dismiss in like 60 seconds. But I'm going to ask God. I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do here, okay? I'm going to ask God to reveal what your next step is. Some of you are like, I know what it is. Like you were talking, and I'm, it's very clear what I need to do next in my relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for you, and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, God, I love these students. And as fun as Wednesday nights are and Sunday and camps and all this kind of stuff, Lord, I, I would be heartbroken if they graduated high school and went on and just kind of threw their faith in the trash. That's not going to be this student ministry. And so, Lord, I am praying that right, right from me to everyone else in this room, I pray that not just that you would show them, but I pray that they would have the boldness to ask. Maybe in the quietness of their bedroom right before bed tonight, God, what's my next step? What am I supposed to do? Just one next step. Would you reveal that to us? If we call you master, we ought to be asking you for direction that way. Lord, we trust you in all that. And thank you more than anything, for never giving up on us. We love you. It's your name, pray.